Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Let's Do the Right Thing in association with Radio Works. Presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson. L-D-T-R-T, Let's Do the Right Thing. It's a second series of podcasts in conjunction with Passion Media, that's P-A-S-H-N dot media, discussing how the world has changed in the last couple of years for various disciplines within marketing and what they have had to do to respond. Today I'm speaking with Claire Hutchinson, the Deputy Chief Strategy Officer of VCCP, to share some strategic wisdom. It's always interesting to see what connections we've got in common and to uh, draw a story. When we've got lawyers, producers, research in common, there could be something here that we could um, explore as an interesting um, sideline, I suspect. But having looked back through your career, it's remarkably well planned, for want of a better word. Have you always set out in doing this? Or was it always an idea that you wanted to go into ad planning? It was never an idea. <laughs> it just happened, as, as most jobs do, I think, to people. They kind of happen. So went to university like most people do and, and kind of had this dream that I wanted to do something that was creative but also businessy. So I kind of had this these two sort of parts of my world that I wanted to smash together. I remember going to the careers office and they said, oh, we'll go to uh, the two back then Lever Arch files. Uh, shows how old I am. Uh, a for advertising and P for PR. And, and quite quickly I, I realised I was more A than P. Um, uh, and did the usual grad recruitment scheme, got uh, various different uh, job offers, ended up at a little place called Duckworth Fingrub Waters, sadly no longer with us, but in its time was campaign agency of the year and all that kind of stuff. Rocked up on the first day and they'd uh, hired two grads. There was me who turned up in my little powder blue uh, suit with a little brown sort of briefcase and then the other dude turned up on a skateboard and they looked at him and said right you're the planner and they looked at me and said you're the suit so I started off as an account manager um, but fairly quickly into my time um, I started feeling kind of jealous uh, for the type of things that planners were thinking about and uh, the problems they were solving and quite frankly I didn't get on very well with photocopier so um, at that point it uh, it became quite clear to me that I wanted to be a planner so I, I spent the first six months trying to make the change and I remember going to speak to my head of planning at the time and saying to her I kind of feel like I, I sort of know what it might be like to want to have a sex change because I'm very jealous of planners and kind of what they do and how they do it. So so for me, it was very much that sort of desire of wanting that sort of transition. Uh, and so that was my transition. And uh, I became a planner. So it was... Uh... <laughs> I don't really know what to say now. No, I <laughs> you stumped me already. OK, so we'll park the sex change and maybe yeah, come back okay, to that one. Um, so, so from suit into, into planner... And then planner into the strategy officer. 
Um, is there a difference between strategy and planning? Is this is this kind of you know, are we making up words for the sake of it as an industry or is there a distinction? I think there is a, you know, and planning is meant to be about, or strategy, both things are meant to be about clarity. And I think as a industry, we're very bad at doing for ourselves what we do brilliantly for others. Uh, because ultimately planning and strategy are the same thing, uh, just as aubergine is eggplant. Uh, and obviously one's not American and one's not English. But um... Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But they are, essentially, it is it is exactly the same thing in, in terms of what I do, brand planning, brand strategy. Uh, which is why it's so confusing to be called a deputy chief strategic officer, but to work in an agency where we have the discipline of planning and the department of planning. But um, uh, ultimately, they are the same thing. And I think it's kind of one of those weird things that planning is almost one of the biggest misnomers, certainly for what I do in terms of how planning works in, in terms of my job. Uh, different, I think, from media. But but if you look back to how it all started at the beginning, obviously planning was born out of JWT and BMP, uh, uh, Messrs King and Pollitt. Um, and it was interesting because I think at the time, you know, one was Stephen King was dissatisfied with the process and the workings and the way that uh, that um, that sort of creativity was being born from an advertising perspective and actually it was about the workings of the media and the marketing departments and finding a way to bring those two things together um, was kind of how he created what he called the T plan or the target plan which was a sort of more of a process. For Stanley Pollitt at BMP it was it was um, much more about the people um, and uh, he had a, uh, a sort of a, a dissatisfaction around the um, enormity of discretion uh, that was being given to account management at the time in terms of uh, they were the dudes right, and, and the ladies uh, writing the briefs uh, and ultimately he felt that they weren't doing a particularly good job because um, they weren't really taking into consideration data interestingly, we think about where we are today uh, but also consumer insights so for him it was very much about we need to find a person who can be the person who is in charge of understanding the consumer, understanding how we can bring that insight into um, creativity uh, and that was how planning was born. So there isn't really much um, planning per se in terms of what I do, because actually I think what I do is much more around magic and art. And of course, data is important, um, but data is, is art and magic too. And it's about how we can 
bring all of those things together um, to really understand a business problem, uh, get under the skin of a, of a brand and understand what its purpose is in the world and how it should behave uh, and what it should do and how it should connect with people. Um, so, so for us, for me, that's what planning is ultimately. It's about finding a, a you know brand purpose and, and bringing a brand to life. And is there going to be a, a Hutchinson adaption to the JWT model? Well, there's, I mean, every agency has their thing, don't they? We have a, um, a thing we call the CBI, the Concentrated Brand Idea, uh, which is about finding the, inter- the intersection. This is at VCCP, where I am, with the intersection between uh, human truth, market truth, and, and product truth. Um, and, you know, when I was at Havas, we had the meaningful brand idea. Uh, so ultimately, we all do pretty much the same thing, but we have our own very bespoke way of coming at it um, in terms of, of where we land. And I think different agencies have different um, uh, specialities, I guess, in terms of where the type of work they create and uh, the way that they create it. Uh, how has your CBI model changed then over the last couple of years when everything in the world has changed? I think I don't think the model has changed. Um, I think the way that we populate it increasingly is is going to change, and I think that is partly due to uh, the importance of data. And uh, I know we've sort of talked about that before, but ultimately, and and you know where you find insight as well. And I think in you know recent years, uh, the ways that you know the good old fashioned ways, and I'm still a big fan of of a uh, focus group and qual and all that kind of stuff. And and one of the things for me that's changed, which I was always pretty sniffy about, is um, doing focus groups online. I was kind of thought, how can you, if, you know, you need to be in a room with someone, you need to have chemistry to really get under the skin of, of why somebody thinks uh, the, what they think. But ultimately, I've been doing, uh, I did a, a great pitch um, where I spent a lot of time just in people's homes via via my computer uh, pretty much every night. I was just chatting to them. And it's that, you know, you can get a different level of intimacy through Zoom or whatever channel you choose to use uh, in terms of getting really close and getting under the skin. And I think it's a bit like I did a lot of online dating in my time, in my personal life, not in my professional life. Um, And it's a bit like online dating. When you go on an online date, people will tell you the world. They will tell you things that they've never told anyone else before. Um, and and online focus groups are a bit like that. You get people telling you crazy, weird stories. I had this great story. Um, I was doing a project on um, Philadelphia cream cheese recently and had this uh, great guy from Leeds, gay guy, talking about him and his relationship and his partner and, and uh, how their marriage had broken down uh, and how Philadelphia played a, a role in that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> which I can tell you the story if you like, but it's uh, but I think it's that level I, of I, I really need you to. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you that story. So uh, it's a great story. He was telling me how um, he was really, he and his partner, you know, they'd been together a few years. They'd just started to fall out of love. And, uh, you know, as, as sometimes happens in relationships, just the irritation sits in and uh, they were just needling each other the whole time. And one of the causes of irritation uh, for, for him was he is a massive brand lover. Whereas uh, his his partner uh, is much more of an own label kind of guy uh, and didn't see why you would invest in brand and all that kind of stuff. And um, for him, uh, Philadelphia cream cheese, there is no other cream cheese. It is the cheese of cream cheeses. Uh, so whenever his partner used to go out and get Tesco or Asda own label, it used to irritate him and really upset him. So um, it was Valentine's Day. His partner said, I'm going to bring you breakfast in bed and he came upstairs with his tray with a a mimosa on it all sorts of fancy stuff and he saw 
there was some bread there with some cream cheese. And it, he, as he walked in the room, he just bristled because he thought, I bet you he's done it. I bet you he's gone and got kind of Tesco's. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Tesco's, of course. Tesco's make fine quality cream <laughs> cheese. Um, but sure enough, his partner said, before you say anything, it's Philly. Uh, and for a brief moment, he said, in their relationship, the fact that his partner had thought about getting him this cream cheese and this branded cream cheese was a, uh, a moment of... Uh, a reconnection between them. So for a couple of days, everything was fine. And then they went back to killing each other and, and, and ultimately, sadly, um, separated. But Wow. So there you go. These are the things that people will tell you. And they'll tell you this online, but you won't get that online. in a... But in... I don't think you would... And I think it's obviously the difference between when you're doing a focus group of, you know, six or eight people versus And these are one-to-one, one one. One. yeah. This was actually a, a small... It was a mini group, which increasingly is my favoured form of qual research. So I think there were about three or four people online. But again, I think it's just that you're at home so you're more comfortable uh it's very intimate um and you know you're never going to see these people ever again so the the freedom and the ability to kind of tell people your innermost deepest darkest secrets is um is pretty powerful wow is that an artifact of it being online or is that something that's come out of it being a pandemic where people have been locked down and starved for attention and contact could be related to both I, I think right. I mean I think it is also the nature of the online because I think uh, back to the online dating that was pre-pandemic and it's just that sense of I'm never going to see you again so I'll tell you my deepest darkest uh, wow. and I think I think you know I try and find ways to help people trust me, rightly or wrongly, because then I'll go and broadcast it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, but I think it's that that intimacy is a, is a really wonderful thing. And and one of the things I love most about my job is um, we have a team of about fifty planners, and in that team I've got people who are really culturally centric, people who are very data centric. Um, I've always been very sort of consumer centric in terms of I get my ideas and my my leaps and my inspiration from from people Mm. um but that's that's the the beauty of what we do and i I guess that's why i've loved doing this job for 25 years plus is i think people are extraordinary interesting um ridiculous and wonderful and you know that is where the connection between people and brands and products and behaviors is is uh is a fascinating thing so it never gets dull can you use the insight that you had from Leeds? Is, is, is that the sort of that thing that particular you, one. Do, does that sort of relate to a, a wider audience? You know, do, do people think like that? <laughs> I think <laughs> or is that a niche um, ad I think that, I think that particular out? insight was just helpful to understand the power of uh, Philadelphia and the fact that it is unparalleled for many people as a as a as a product. But I think there are other um, examples of another also from Leeds. In fact, I think that one might have been Manchester. But uh, Leeds is my favourite place uh, for focus groups. The people of Leeds are, are, are fabulous. And um, uh, I remember another one. It was a Home Pride source again back in the product world. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember at the time being quite sniffy around it. This was back when I was at Abbot Mead, and because I'm I'm quite chefy and quite snobby about food. And I just kind of thought, how can I sell this? It's like it's like shit in a jar. Like there's no way I'm going to be able to sell this to anyone. Not a current client. Not a current client. <laughs> um, but uh, and also I had really bad personal memories of, um, which is why it's really important to always dissociate your own personal feelings about a product or about a brand from what we do. Because I, I, as a child, I remember my grandma used to have home pride in cans under the under the stairs, and she used to get out some fatty cuts of meat and pour it on top, stick it in the oven. And that was lunch, uh, and it was pretty hideous. So mm. I had my own negative prejudice going in. But I met these ladies uh, in Leeds, and um, they were you know, living on the edge of life. They probably owned as a household 15 grand a year. 
Um, and the husband went to work. They stayed home and looked after four or five kids, making every penny count. Um, but they were pretty much, you know, their husbands, their kids didn't really love them, recognise them, pay them any attention. But when they poured a jar of home pride over some pasta, stuck it in the oven, um, which in their in their heads was cooking from scratch, they got everyone around the table together. It brought their family together and their kids looked up and their husband said, thanks, love, that was great. And, and you know, and the kids said, thanks, mum. Uh, and it was it was kind of shit in a jar to love in a jar. So so those things can be those moments when you get under the skin of it um, can be really helpful as as being as kind of a springboard for just reimagining what a product is and really understanding the role it plays in people's lives. Wow. And have you seen any particularly strong work coming out then in the last couple of years out of the pandemic? So there's been a whole lot of very samey work, hasn't there, kind of like in these unprecedented times, yeah. etc. Uh which I think is I mean, it's kind of in the in the world that we work in it is fashion, isn't it, to a certain degree, and everyone follows everyone, and we, we relate to culture and we reflect culture, so it's unsurprising that there's been quite a lot of similar work. But um, the stuff that I like from the pandemic, I'll, I'll tell you one of ours and I'll tell you someone else's. Okay. Um, and and it, I guess it's, uh, it's just a reflective of the type of work that I like and what I think makes great work. So I'll start, I'll start, with, um, uh, I'll start with ours. So um, obviously one of the big changes in the pandemic was, uh, you know, nobody could go out, nobody could do anything, uh, but um, people could bring things to you. So the kind of transformation of, uh, you know, at home e-commerce uh, delivery was extraordinary. So one of our clients is Domino's. So you kind of think, well, they do delivery. So that's got to be good for business. Um, but at the time, what we found was the um, the aggregators. So the, you know, um, Just Eats of this world were really uh, dominating the market, partly because they had huge share of voice. So they were just spending, spending, spending. Uh, they also had Snoop, who uh, is helpful? Yep, the doggity dog. Yep, um, and uh, they were they were just winning, like hands down. And also, I think they offered variety, which is what people were looking for at that time, because everyone was eating the same thing day in day out, and and they wanted variety. So um, we had to kind of find our way to fight back within that because we were losing share quite dramatically. Um, and you know, we had uh, a successful campaign at the time with the official food of everything, but everything kind of wasn't happening anymore because because nothing was happening. Um, so we. We sort of did the the risky thing of scrapping something that was working really well and being quite successful and going back to to brass tacks um and did some research as i said research really important in what i do um and what we found was um even though people kind of really liked the idea of the aggregators and just eating and stuff like that what it wasn't really delivering you know when people got it it was always a bit of a disappointment whereas the um when people got dominoes they loved it and it was a crowd pleaser and it was kind of universal and everybody loved it um so we made a kind of strategic decision that we wanted to own freedom day uh and we wanted to get people back together um but we wanted dominoes to be the vector of that and to kind of be the gravitational pull if you like of pizza <laughs> there's nothing better Brilliant. a phrase that i never imagined <laughs> uh, i just made it up um but uh but that's a true plan right <laughs> that's what we do oh yeah oh, oh yeah, yeah. that'll do just made it up. but um but the, the, there was a lovely insight that we got to so the not only when we we sort of went out and we spoke to people and the insight that we got to was that people didn't just you know want to socialize again and that was clearly you know the, the key thing 
we saw in quant data as, as well as qual. Um, but there was this, because of the fact that during lockdown, everyone had been out doing DIY, you know, kind of feathering their nests, painting their walls, making, you know, plumping up their cushions, all that kind of stuff. People didn't just want to socialise. They wanted people, there was this kind of weird inner desire that they wanted people to come round to their gaff. Um, so there was this almost this sort of back to mine desire and urge of humans that they really wanted people to come round to their house, not to go elsewhere. They wanted people, they wanted life brought back into their house. Um, so uh, what we call the kind of almost like a sort of back to mind phenomenon. So um, we worked with Domino's uh, and developed a group order app. Um, again, nice piece of um, sort of uh, tech. Uh, and uh, also alongside that, we invented the uh, Domino's yodel. Domino, <laughs> probably seen the campaign. Um, but the great thing about that was really simple. I mean, it's what we call a fluent device. It's one of those things that catches on. It's mimetic. People kind of pick up on it. Um, and it was a bit of fun because I think in those times when everyone was being so serious about the, these terrible, unprecedented times, uh, it was it was just a bit of a laugh. Mm. Um, and it was fun and it caught on. And um, the other nice thing about it from a media perspective was uh, we worked uh, very closely with Havas Media on this. And it was a really good example of, I think, media and creativity hand in hand. Um, so the way that we uh, sort of like um, played it out in terms of uh, treating it as very much sound first. Um, so obviously it was, you know, we didn't, we made radio ads and all that kind of conventional stuff, um, but we did some really interesting stuff in digital. We did five second funny yodel blipverts, apparently. 3D yodeling, I'm not quite sure what that was, um, but we did sort of out of home special builds that used the cymatic visualization of dominoes as a. Ooh, the, the what? <laughs> <laughs> cymatic visualization, look it up. Oh, she's doing um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Four of those. Yeah, that's what yeah. planners do. We yeah. say long words to try and sound smart. Um, but uh, and we even did on Channel Four um, a content content piece on yodel uh, rap featuring the yodel boys with a Z. Who knew that they even existed? Uh, that was discussed on Radio One. So um, across a whole range of different uh, media channels, we brought this kind of one simple idea to life. Um, and uh, uh, we found that, you know, sentiment is at the highest level in the last 12 months uh, in terms of pos positivity. And uh, whereas our, the aggregators have remained broadly flat. So it's really helped us to, you know, from being in a position where we were in decline and obviously sales are doing brilliantly. Uh, we've really picked up and, and are now moving uh, back up in the right direction. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. So that's that one. Uh, and I'm another hungry one, now. Another one. Uh, someone else is. I think this this for me um, is uh, is an example of the the kind of work I like is work that really understands the context of the world at a particular time. It adds values. It doesn't just seek to sell product. It solves problems, um, and and it builds to sort of longer term brand affinity. So I think the way that Nike responded um, in t with uh, Play for the World was really really smart because they didn't just sort of go out and do an expensive, I mean, they probably did, uh, add to kind of try and empathise with people in these unprecedented times. They did something useful um, and they ran uh, a campaign that showed how, uh, you know, because their whole brand purpose is around play and getting people out, getting people exercising. Um, and, you know, maybe off the back of uh, Joe Wixey. Oh, we did they that once. <laughs> I, I did that exactly I did once. once. And then that, was, that was never again. <laughs> Too much jumping. But, um, but uh, you know, they kind of saw that people wanted to exercise, they needed to exercise. So um, they worked with the athletes that they had and got them to uh, let people into their homes and show them kind of how they were staying act active during lockdown, um, which was just like some really lovely, powerful, uh, inclusive video spots that really helped 
uh, to promote people to get out and get moving again. But they also gave away uh, for free during this period of time their Nike training club. So for me, it's, again, brands that kind of understand the situation, understand the context, um, engage people, but also are helpful um, are, are brands that, that help to drive that long-term affinity that you kind of look for to build that kind of long-term brand love. Wow. So that, that explains something for me then, because I remember coming into town after one of the lockdowns had lifted last summer and there were queues all round Nike town and I couldn't figure out why, because if you could buy everything online anyway, mm. why was everybody going there? And I hadn't seen any activations for it, so maybe, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what it was. Well, there you go, so ad- advertising works. But I think it is, it's like, you know, as, as, as we move into data and tech and all that kind of stuff, the, the brands that will win will be the brands that understand that real world and kind of personal world and digital world and tech worlds are both important and understanding your role in that and how you can play in that is, is critical. And I think that's Nike really get that. They get a lot of things too, though. They it's do, kind of don't annoying. They? Yeah. yeah. There we go. Oh well, let's not talk about them anymore. Then. <laughs> um, I've seen a few things peering out the um, out of the pandemic, which have been pretty interesting to me. So, alcohol-free spirits have started booming, and that seems to me like this category that's come from pretty much nowhere. You mentioned food delivery. I saw a lot of activations yep. from Just Eat and others. Um, electric cars are advertising everywhere. Self-help services, uh, creative outlets. People are spending more time maybe at home making things. But the one I like most of all is actually art galleries. Apparently, art galleries are seeing a boom in their in the, the stuff that they're selling because people are wanting to compete with everybody else on Zoom to have something, uh, something interesting in behind that's interesting. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the Definitely status symbol, in indeed. There's something going on there which is really good. What 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 have you seen? What, what what's coming? Well, I think from an industry perspective, something that I thought you know there are kind of things that come along, you know, in kind of media and and um, creative agency world, and you kind of think, well, that's never going to catch on, is it? Like the red button, like the red button was never a thing. 3D, like TV, nah. nah. Sorry, sorry, Sky. Um, but uh, uh, the key thing uh, for me, QR codes. People know how to use them now. That's like an amazing thing. It's, they've been around for a while and suddenly, suddenly it's rebirthed. Now, yeah. now it's all rebirthed because of, of COVID. But I think, um, you know, the key thing for, from my perspective is, you know, this shift in um, e-commerce, you know, has, has been phenomenal in terms of if you look at where money is moving. And, and admittedly, most of it is mon- moving in the Amazon direction. Um but, you know, e-com is shifting from being a behaviour that was for luxury things, for special things, uh, and now it's turning into everyday necessities. So I think the boom of the last milers, back to food delivery, but of a different kind, uh, has been phenomenal in terms of, you know, coming out of COVID. Everybody wants everything and they kind of want it now. You know, impulse no longer serves the impulse of instant gratification, which, you know, is fast forwarding the decline of our high street, which I think is is something that I personally have been very you know, uh, worried about for some time because I think it is, again, it's that balance as a society and, and as as a place to live uh, and as a world in terms of the real and the, the kind of digital, getting the sort of like the human, the physical interactions is, is really important. But I think, you know, that has definitely seen um, growth as we've talked about, uh, you know, sort of growth in home working and home exercise. Again, thank you, Joe Wicks. Yeah, well, no, uh, no, is, no, is not thank you, Joe Shifting, Wicks. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but I think that will have an impact on fashion as yeah. well in terms, you know, we're no longer, my husband brought his suit out for the first time in probably three years the other day yeah. to go to a wedding. But um, Nobody's buying shirts or suits or anything. Nobody's buying shirts yeah. or suits. So I think the, what we dress in, how we dress, what we wear, how we exercise, I think gyms will struggle to survive. Even just coming here today, I've seen that they're all giving away free membership, yep. etc. Um, and and just the spaces that we work in are, are going to be empty. So what happens to all of those spaces and places? I mm. think, again, uh, big, interesting uh, questions for us 
uh, as humans as well as as, as kind of brands. Um, and I think also there's been an interesting ascendancy in the employer and in the kind of the balance towards employers. And certainly as an agency, we we feel that um, really strongly that it's it's you know the it's really important to think about how do people want to work now, uh, where do they want to work. Um, and how can we create the right environment for them, but also for our business to flourish? Mm-hmm. Those are going to be um, challenges. So, so I think moving forwards, there's real opportunities in terms of um, developing the right collaborative technology and security. I think importantly um, to help businesses uh, to kind of um, boom in the way that Zoom has. Mm, the Zoom boom. The Zoom boom. <laughs> So if e- if everything's moving towards e- e-com, and and I, and I completely get that from a um, convenience point of view, do you think this could actually remove shops altogether? Brands are just talking to people individually, or we 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 always need a conduit. For I them? think the physical is so important, and I think going back to that Nike example is you know, and even Apple. Look at how Apple stores work. I think the physical, the human, the the t- tactile um, is is fundamental, and I think we just need to reimagine what what real world spaces are for and what stores are mm. and why they exist and how we interact in them as spaces um because for me it's it has you have to do both um because otherwise you start to lose that humanity and that real sort of connection and and i think also the the other role that brands play that that's really important is um sociability um, and physical spaces, shopping, you know, retail in the real world is a really important part of, of um, sociability. And one of the things that we so Cadbury is one of the brands that we um, we we work with. Our platform that we built is all around um, the idea of uh, generosity and inspiring more generosity in the world. And and rather than just doing seasons like Easter and like Christmas as, you know, ads telling people to eat Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff, we've um, deliberately started to try and create services uh, so we have the Secret Santa service at Christmas and uh, we have the Worldwide Hide, which is um, a, a service that allow, which was actually born out of uh, COVID and the pandemic. Because at the time we did a lovely ad, which was Show You Care, Hide It, um, which was a really sweet little insight, which is actually the, the love is in the hiding rather than the eating of the egg. Oh, okay. um, but uh, we then um, uh, thought, well, you know, the problem with, with the, the pandemic was people couldn't really go out and do mm. Easter egg hides or hunts anymore. So we decided to help them. So we created the Worldwide Hide, um, which is a, an online uh, service uh, with Google Maps, which allows you to hide an egg for someone anywhere in the world. Love it. And um, and then... Um, Where's mine? Well, I haven't bought you one this uh, year. I don't I've know hidden it. Next. I forgot Maybe where next. I hid it. It's <laughs> hidden. It's so well hidden. But, uh, but essentially it sends an invite to uh, somebody that you want to buy an egg for. Uh, it, it challenges them. You can give them a clue as to where the egg is. They have to find it. And then uh, when they find it, uh, then magically, a couple of days later, the egg appears in the post um, because it has been sent to you. I love it. So that's, uh, a re- again, a really good example of how we built something because of the pandemic. And in some ways, you know, was the pandemic was a bad thing, clearly. Uh, it's also led to some good things. Mm. Um, but I think, again, that's a, an understanding that brands must exist in the real world as well as... Uh, as well as in the virtual world, because they they don't just have a role in terms of feeding us and giving us nice things. They help facilitate human connection. Yeah. So we, we've, we've spent a couple of um, episodes so far uh, in this series talking to people about data and how media is mm-hmm. changing um, and how things are indeed changing to adapt to the way of the world now, which is obviously very different. But how has the world changed for you and how, how are you setting out to drive strategy for your clients in the wake of the pandemic? 
So we are, and I think, you know, all agencies were, I think even before the pandemic, people had kind of realised that data is important. I think the pandemic has, again, fast forwarded that that realisation. And as a result, during the pandemic, in fact, these plans were afoot before the pandemic happened, but it, it just so happened that the two things coincided. We had, as a business... Um, decided to make some fundamental structural changes. So, you know, before the VCC partnership was a partnership of lots of different agencies doing lots of different things in a partnership. So that's nice. So we could kind of help each other out and borrow cups of sugar and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think in the in the understanding that, you know, modern communications require a more centralised and more integrated approach, um, we decided to break down the walls, not literally, figuratively, because we don't have any walls because we're open space, the modern way. Uh, but we um, we decided to break down the kind of the barriers and the walls between our businesses and integrate. Uh, so um, we, you know, sort of got rid of a whole load of sort of mini agencies within it and became kind of one VCCP. Um, so uh, Kin, which was our social arm, came into VCCP, et cetera, et cetera. So now in, in planning or, or strategy or whatever we want to call it, uh, I have a team of 50 planners, you know, brand planners, social planners, retail planners, CRM planners, all the, all the different shapes and sizes of planners you could ever want. Um, but the, the key thing within that for us has always been let's, let's bring everyone together so that we have the right disciplines in place so that ideas can cross-pollinate and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, holding on to the specialisms is really, really critical because I think that the danger in terms of integration is that you then lose, lose the specialisms. So we, uh, one of the things that we are holding on to really very closely is the importance of nurturing specialisms and having people come in and be part of that crew for whom, you know, social is the be all, the end all, the everything. Um, but so they hold on to their specialism, but they play in a, in a greater, uh, in a greater kind of sea of strategic thinking if you will um, and then the second thing that we've done um, is to put data at the heart of our business uh, so we've invested a lot in in data um, and we have a, a kind of um, a, what was called the data collective but is now like just like the, the heartbeat of our business um, and uh, we are investing a lot in not just building getting the right people in the building but building the right processes and the right products for our clients so um, from a business analytics perspective you know working out where the value is uh, and where to focus budgets journey orchestration in terms of creating um, the rules for brilliant personalized consumer interactions content scoring so understanding kind of what works for who and why and then obviously um, measurement and and optimization so working out what is working uh, and how to make it work better so these are things that now are are fundamental to our business Um, and from our perspective they are they give us a bit of a competitive edge for now but I mean ultimately everyone should and, and will be doing it uh, but they, they have to be fundament, fundamental to a modern uh, comms plan. I, I can see that. Um, and putting data at the heart of it, it sounds absolutely the right thing to do. I, I see that a lot of people are thinking that way. So how do you then differentiate the data that you have compared to somebody else's data? Is this all first-party data from the brands or from consumers? or w- Where is it coming from that makes it fundamentally different? I mean, it's a range of different sources in terms of where you get your data from. Um, and increasingly, though, I think we are very much of the mind that building your own, owning your own data is, is critical as a brand. And building campaigns that help to harvest and create data is going to be critical. So across all of our pieces of business, again, it's not just the kind of knowing what to do with data when you've got it. It's how do you get data in the first place? One of the things that's killed me about planning in recent years has been 
just kind of, there was this sort of phase and wave, and I, I know some agencies still do it, where they kind of thought, oh, I know, let's do some social listening and look at, you know, how people, how many people are saying this particular word and try and group them in clusters. Yep. And then that will become the insight for our campaign. Yeah. Regardless of nothing else. Nothing else. else. Yep. Just kind of like, let's look at what the data tells us. And for me, that is so myopic because it doesn't understand, it doesn't understand why people are saying those things in the first place. And just the fact that people are saying this word a lot of times doesn't necessarily mean that it's important or powerful. No, or but, indeed relevant. Or indeed relevant. Yeah. Context, context, yeah. context and culture is everything. Um, and yes, you can learn things from data. But for me, it's, you know, being a great planner is about, it's almost being like being a great artist, and I know you ha- you dabble in that area yourself, Adam. Uh, I might known. draw something on your notes before has we're done. Has been known, um, <laughs> but uh, it's about having you know mixed media and having a huge palette of different pieces of inspiration to draw on. Because if you just use one data point, you aren't seeing the full picture. Um, so for me, it's about uh, being a good plan or being a good strategist is about being able to balance all of those things. And I think you know sometimes you're more drawn towards the qualitative context or the data context. But but even if you get an insight from qual, then being able to validate that in quant is important and vice versa. So for me, if the qual and the quant ain't there, um, it's not it's not a well-baked cake. Thank you, Claire. I've really enjoyed that. That feels like we've covered a lot of ground in that. It's been fun. It has been fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks the UK's largest independent radio advertising agency. Let's Do the Right Thing is a Maple Street Creative production, devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.